What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Alvarado from Rise and Grind Recovery Radio, also co-founder of Rise Together, a super awesome, amazing organization that it's helping to uh, encourage our youth to stand up and speak out about the issues that they care most about. And we're in the studio with Nadine, our best and favorite program manager, our own program manager, let's be honest. But how are you doing today? The one and only. <laughs> oh, I'm doing good, Anthony. Thank you. It's uh, awesome to be here. It is a new year, new year and new great things happening with our organization and, and the recovery movement and even in our own personal lives. I know we've uh, faced some hard times this last year and some really great times. Uh, yeah. Let's be honest. But uh, 2017 is here. Where you at? <laughs> yeah. Where you at? <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. I mean, we're already getting into it. And, you know, we're jumping on this week's interview with uh, co-founder of Facing Addiction, Mr. Greg Williams, an absolute leader, you know, in the advocacy movement. Going to be talking about the anonymous people. We're going to be talking about Facing Addiction. Um, we also are getting a chance to talk a little bit about uh, the Generation Found film. Super cool, right? The way they kick off the new year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what better person to have on than Greg Williams? Williams and the work that he's doing is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, him and his organization and and all of uh, all of the people really across the nation that are a part of it um, is just a really cool way to start it off. Right, and then we're gonna have uh, Shatterproof in the house, like coming up throughout the month. We have a number of other individuals that are coming in and and speaking from a, a statewide level, uh, from a national level. Probably gonna have some musicians in the house, maybe playing a little yeah. music, yeah, uh, maybe music. some folk music, maybe some hip hop, maybe you know even some uh, national recording artists. So, nice. man, it's gonna be a big year. Nice, yes, right? that's exciting. Are you excited to get back out on the road? I mean, we're gonna be speaking in front of youth, probably kicking off more into February. February, back on tour. Oh, yeah, man. I cannot wait. I mean, I know, like, my purpose and passion is to be in front of the youth, um, and, and that is my own personal mission, and to uh, continue sharing my story in hopes that, you know, we'll get our next generation to share their own story. Um, I think it's going to be a really great year. We're going to do some different things, whether it's working with smaller groups of uh, youth or even working in different churches and uh, different communities all across the state, but even across the nation. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really cool that we're seeing a lot of people uh, give us some um, tons of like high fives, hugs, respect, <laughs> love, uh, support. And like we just talked about it um, uh, recently but like just students even reaching out you know that we met maybe two years ago yeah. and said hey you know thank you for helping to save my life mm -hmm. you know even when when you were there at the school maybe um the message i, I didn't exactly uh relate. you know think i was gonna be able to relate to it mm -hmm. but over time as I got older and faced challenges, it made a huge difference in my life. And there's been other students that are just like, thank you for like helping me share my story and, you know, empowering our community. And mm -hmm. like, I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like to get back out there and do that again and just to be in front of them. And I mean, to get the crowd going and bring right. them down with us. I, I just love working with the students. It's pretty Absolutely. phenomenal. I wanted to ask you actually, um, what is one thing, put you right on the spot, what is one thing that stuck out in 2016, uh, specifically with the work that we're doing with students 
Um, I think it's really cool, like that we've received thousands of student testimonies. Um, is there any that stick out, even if it was recently? Oh man, um, you know, upon the hundreds and hundreds of stories that I've heard or read or listened to, um, you know, it's been a truly phenomenal in itself. Um, just listening to people share their own stories. Um, but I can't specifically pick one out uh, other than, um, you know, the the kids that really take that time and energy um, to go and reach out to us in the first place, um, whether it's via social media or, you know, in person. Um, the fact that they literally go out of their way to talk to us, to let us know how we made them feel and how we impacted their life, um, that's just truly amazing. I mean, that is what's truly beautiful because I know that when I was in high school, I mean, if I had some people coming in, um, you know, and talking about drugs and alcohol, I'd be like, what? Like, you know, that's that's great. My life sucks, you know, but I'm not <laughs> going to tell you about it, <laughs> you know, and, and the fact that they just have that courage and, and that uh, ability to be vulnerable is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I know even more so recently, especially around the holidays, we've had a lot of more, a lot more people reach out to us, not only thanking us, um, but also a lot of people looking for support too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, uh, you know, over the holidays, people tend to have a little bit more of a difficult time getting through and, uh, you know, it's it's been amazing to be able to help those in need and really try to coach them and let them know that they're not alone. And, um, you know, it's really going to be amazing to see what happens this next year. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait. Uh, just the opportunity that we've been given. It's, it's really humbling. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. it's really cool to be in this position to some extent to like serve others. But I, I realize that everybody can do that right. like in their community and to see that in momentum build forward. I think we're going to see more people speaking out mm-hmm. at all different ages, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more events, um, showing the world that sobriety is amazing, cool mm-hmm. and awesome. And why not be healthy? Why right. not live in the world of like actually um, not just good health, but to be able to uh, work towards things that you want to aspire after right, or you want to accomplish. Brings that happiness and yeah. fulfillment and joy in your own life. Right. Mm-hmm. And it might not be like sunshine, sunshine and rainbows all the time. <laughs> no. Right? Absolutely. Right. But I mean, it is definitely a really cool and better way to live and why not mm-hmm. help to save the lives of our youth. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So with that, I know we would love to continue to see more people reaching out to us to share their story and you can do that at weallrisetogether.org. You can also go ahead and support this podcast. You can become um, a member of our Patreon efforts. So you can just go right to the website and you can go over to the support our podcast section and you can learn how you can go ahead and donate towards this effort uh, through patreon you can donate a dollar you can donate three dollars you can donate five thousand dollars a month i mean whatever you really want to do um, but we definitely would love to see the support for that and rise together as a whole so by all means become one of our fans one of our supporters we would absolutely love that and need that and speaking about our fans and supporters uh, this episode specifically was sponsored by a 
local Nina family who has a loved one in recovery, brand new in recovery, mm-hmm. uh, going on uh, several weeks. And, you know, they have made comments that my life is changing and I get more time with my family and our relationship is that I have with my significant other is really, you know, moving in a new direction. And I find hope and inspiration and I want to get involved. And, and just to see somebody like just so excited awesome. about the big mm-hmm. change that has happened in their lives. I think that is pretty awesome. It is truly awesome. Um, you know, it's it's great to see the the momentum and even just people here in our own local community uh, stepping up and really speaking out about it. Absolutely. There's one thing, Anthony, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, this last year has been pretty awesome. I know we've, uh, you know, we've definitely gone through our own uh, trials or tribulations, you could say, and it's been, uh, you know, some amazing and beautiful things happen, but also some more difficult things that have happened. But, uh, you know, now that 2016 is over and we are moving into the new year, um, I'd like to know what are you most looking forward to in 2017? I am most looking forward to uh, continuing to have a stronger um, understanding of my purpose. To be honest with you, um, and that's going to come with a really good amount, I believe, of work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot we of things. All need that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If anything, if I learned, um, I can only do so much in one day, mm-hmm. and I, I often, whether it's my personality or just because I care so much, kind of thing, I will put way more on my plate than I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even have been up since 4 a.m. this morning, <laughs> and I love the work. You mm-hmm. know, and some could probably even say that I'm addicted to my job kind of thing. Um, and I, I try to be really conscious of that, yeah. you know, so as much as I love the work that we do with Rise Together, as much as I love this podcast, and I believe it's like my platform, it's like my stage every single week to get mm-hmm. to connect with like other leaders and the people that are coming up this year. I'm just, man, I'm learning so much. Mm-hmm. And I think every community I go to, um, I, I often, I don't look at it like I'm the expert in the room, but what can I learn? Mm-hmm. And I say that because if I have that attitude when I walk into the door, um, I'm always constantly learning. And what that means to me is I'm also constantly driving like my passion. And that's also driving me to my purpose. Yeah. Uh, like I really have stated for the first time in my life, like this last year in 2016, like I know who Anthony Alvarado is now. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. I know what I was actually put on earth to do and that's even more amazing. And although like I could say like, yeah, I really would love to see Rise Together do this or Rise and Grind to do this, mm-hmm. or I want to go ahead and write a book or I want to become like one of the best speakers in the world. What it really comes down to is like, I want to help change the conversation around addiction mm-hmm. and mental health. And I'm doing that in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to continue to do that for many, many years to come. Mm-hmm. And I look back at 2016 and the previous years, like, man, there were some things that really dropped out from beneath us. And I was like, I didn't expect that one. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like being a business entrepreneur, trying to start your own organization with your like friends and family and people that like are just as passionate. Like there's a, a stark reality and that I have today that's like, wow, starting <laughs> your own gig is not, is not simple, an easy thing right? to do. <laughs> what is easy to do for me though, is be on this mic. And if I figure if I can help create more opportunities to be heard, uh, whether it's sharing my voice or um, sharing my written speech, well, then that is the difference and that is the contribution I'm making to this world. And I'm just glad that I have that purpose in hand. 
awesome. Well, we definitely look forward to hearing more of you this next <laughs> year. Uh, the podcast and, and different people that you're able to interview is uh, it's definitely going to be truly beautiful to watch. Absolutely. I know we're going to have uh, some friends of ours coming up, uh, you know, Kimber coming in from Spread Hope Like Fire, and then also Irina is going to come in from Choices Recovery, and there's going to be a few other individuals that we've been friends with over the last, you know, year, especially. We've traveled all over the country over the last, mm -hmm. you know, 2016, I think, what, mapped it down seven different states mm -hmm. or something like that mm -hmm. in like six months. Right. I mean, that's amazing. So that's another thing I want to do is, is just travel. travel. Yeah. And travel like for not just work. So if there's anybody else there's listening out there, you just want to invite me to your community, especially if it's nice and warm and not the Midwest, uh, I'd love to come speak. And then I'm probably just going to spend a couple of days of vacation yes. there too. That'd be kind of cool. I'm all for that. Bring the kids all with, all that kind of thing. So, yeah. all right, guys. Well, we're definitely excited for this uh, episode, the kickoff for this year. Mr. Greg Williams, co-founder of Facing Addiction, is going to be joining us in the studio and going ahead and talking about a lot of different things. Again, if anybody wants to support this show, just go to weallrisetogether.org. Brand new website that I built. Um, I just absolutely love it. It tells exactly what we do, how to get involved, how to support the podcast through Patreon, and just go ahead and check that out. Weallrisetogether.org. If you want to go ahead and join our Rise Together Nation, all you got to do is text the word RISE, R-I-S-E, to 44144. Thank you so much, everyone, for supporting us over the last few years. Here comes a new year. Anthony Alvarado, Rising Grind. Looking to bring a positive message to your next event? Contact Air and Allies. Air and Allies specializes in bringing entertainment to recovery events, daytime music events, and family-friendly community events. Air and Allies also specializes in bringing artists who bring a positive message to reinforce a better lifestyle to events like Mile of Music. Air and Allies can also help you plan and organize your event to make it successful. To learn more about making your event successful, and feature a positive message, email Aaron Allies at AaronAllies at gmail.com or look for the link on this podcast. Are you looking to prevent drug use throughout your community? Rise Together is a national movement that is helping to educate and spread awareness on mental health and addiction. After traveling 100,000 miles and speaking to over 120,000 young people in just three years, they currently have one of the best school speaking programs in the world. They are now available for school seminars, event speaking, motivational workshops, public panels, and even corporate trainings. Contact them now by visiting www.weallrisetogether.org. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Anthony Alvarado in 2017 with Rise and Grind Recovery Radio. And in the house today, we have one of my best friends, Nadine Moskovich, our program manager from Rise Together. How are you doing today? Hey, guys, I'm doing really good. Thanks, Anthony, for inviting me. It's uh, really great to be here and exciting, kicking off the new year, uh, 2017. I'm really looking forward to it. There's going to be some really great things happening. Awesome, awesome. And I mean, how was your Christmas? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Probably one of the best Christmases that I have had. Um, just my family being healthy and clean and sober, and it was just uh, a great time spending time with family, and it was, it was beautiful all around. Awesome. Awesome. And then we have a very special guest in the studio with us today, Mr. Greg Williams, co-founder of Facing Addiction, a national organization that he helped to start. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, guys. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. 
Absolutely. So yeah, we're going to focus all of our energy, all of our attention on you, Greg. I'm so honored to have you in the studio. I know we've been uh, connected online and I've seen your guys' work and I've had, you know, Michael King was on with us a few weeks back. And then we also had uh, an opportunity to speak to Mario uh, more with his Generation Found efforts. And really today, I I just wanted to, you know, get you on. It's the new year. Uh, We're really looking forward to, you know, extending messages of advocacy and making a difference and having everything. Everybody really jump up and and get involved. And I thought, what a better way to do that and invite uh, Mr. Greg Williams into the studio today. So thank you for having us or having uh, the time to be with us today. Yeah, well, I'm just uh, grateful that you do what you do, spreading the word and and uh, getting out there, telling people uh, that there are things to do, people to to reach, lives to save. We've got a lot of work ahead of us for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for everybody out there that's that's listening, um, I just want to let you know the person that we have in the studio today, I, I believe is an absolute leader. Um, actually, you know, taking a look at the history of Rise Together and really where I started as a speaker. I mean, we do we're going into our fourth year and really working with you specifically, you know, fifth grade all the way up through college. Um, while we focus on mostly a school speaking program, um, it was initially the, the anonymous people that I was inspired by us, particularly Chris Aaron, uh, watching that film. And I thought like early in this like Rise Together development, as we were rallying across the state and we were going to, uh, you know, heroin heroin task force meetings and, you know, committee meetings and and state meetings and all these different uh, advocacy efforts that were going on to address the opiate epidemic here in Wisconsin, um, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to work with students and look at prevention? I really think there would be a lot of value there. And I was like, but I would never bring like that drug and alcohol conversation to like a middle school or high school because it would probably be impossible to do that. Um, I mean, I know how I felt when I was in high school. Um, but you know what? When I saw Chris Aaron doing it in that movie, it kind of changed my life forever. So I, I really wanted just to jump in and, and talk a little bit about what your history is. Um, like, where did you get started? You know, who are you as a person and, and how did that transcend into some of the things that you've been involved in? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm a person in long-term recovery and for me, that means that I haven't used drugs or alcohol, um, in over 15 years. I was 17, uh, from Connecticut, um, just outside New York city and got just heavily addicted to, to pills and marijuana, alcohol and all that stuff as a, as a teenager, um, you know, and never really wanted to, to grow up and be a quote unquote drug addict uh, right. or alcoholic. It wasn't necessarily on my, uh, to do list at 10 or 11, but, uh, that's what happened. I, I, you know, I developed a full-blown addiction and, and started to do a lot of things that I never, um, never wanted to do, you know, and, uh, I was fortunate enough to, um, get access to quality treatment as an adolescent after a near fatal car accident, uh, at the age of 17, after a number of, uh, run-ins with, uh, law enforcement and counselors and all of that kind of stuff. And, my family was supportive and then um, was able to get into a recovery house after that treatment program. Nice. And it was that journey of the continuum of care that really helped me, um, you know, solidify a foundation for recovery. And 
got very involved in in uh, peer-to-peer uh, recovery support, you know, mm-hmm. for for a number of years in service work in, in that arena, um, primarily in the 12-step movement. And um, out of college, I started to to kind of have a passion similar to yours of of telling stories in a way to inspire others to to get help. And you know, after going to a bunch of funerals and visiting a bunch of jails of friends of mine, you know, it just, it started to pile on and, and I started to to question the status quo and question whether or not there were anything we could actually do as a community. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of led, those questions led me to uh, meeting a bunch of people who, who were in the anonymous people, uh, including the work of William White and, and, and others. Um, and I was very fortunate to be able to you know, take a risk and pursue a, a vision of, uh, you know, sitting, sitting these, these leaders at the forefront of this recovery advocacy movement down and kind of talking to them about not just their recovery journeys, but why they chose to tell their stories with a purpose and what they were doing in their lives and where did that history come from and, and why are they doing it and, and what have they learned. And, and so that was really just... Um, an incredible blessing to be able to travel the country and and uh, capture kind of those stories and capture that um, uh, journey of, of the recovery advocacy movement that, that became uh, the film The Anonymous People um, and stitched it together. And so that was, uh, you know, it was really just a organic journey of my own uh, personal recovery and mm-hmm. and just continuing to ask questions and continuing to try to learn what was out there um you know so now with the with the movie i mean i absolutely love the movie especially that it was uh, really spread organically you know it was that conversation even in our community like oh did you see the anonymous people yet did you see the anonymous people yet and you know just getting in the recovery advocacy movement like four years ago i was like oh you know it you know it's kind of new and it's exciting and you checked it out and for us you know here in the midwest i don't want to generalize it but we do have you know a pretty traditional approach which is totally awesome cool and rad and all that good stuff but you know nobody uh, seemed to be completely behind like just speaking out you know and breaking some of that silence and we really talk about you know 23 million americans uh living in long-term recovery um in essence you know the movie um was possible because of those people in recovery, right? And people speaking out, whether it's in a meeting or it's in their community, um, but really starting to give that peer support and, and pay it forward and, and serve others. You know, that's the mentality that we live with today. And it's awesome to see um, in our community. But the more and more I see even the implementation of like social media, for example, and people celebrating reco- recovery, it really breaks uh, a lot of that silence, uh, even on a minor level. And it's pretty phenomenal to see like an effort like this documentary uh, promoting that and looking uh, into that conversation of like all pathways to recovery, like what is out there kind of thing. Um, do you do you see the movie still making that difference today? And is has there been a transition even with the, the book that you guys have released, Many Faces, One Voice? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously as an independent Kickstarter back film, it's, it, uh, you know, I I thought it was like a current events film, perhaps, and then I got in the edit room and kind of made you know took took a big history turn, uh, and that's kind of the process of documentary filmmaking, where 
you know, you kind of have an outline and, and, and a vision for what the project can be, but you don't really have a story arc or a story, you know, planned out until uh, you get in the edit room. And then in the edit room, you know, this history piece just became such a, a vital part of it. And and I think that, you know, uh, it's given the film a, a long tail in terms of it's not just a, a film that was shot in 2012 and released in 2013, and relevant for that time period, I think it's it's got some deep um, elements and some deep lessons that that are timeless in it, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we're finding is people are still finding it. You know, we don't have a you know we never did and never will have a big marketing budget to get it out there, yeah. so it relies on word of mouth and people sharing it with one another, um, and it's uh, you know that journey has been you know, really a pleasure to to meet a lot of people who've been touched by that film and, and hear stories about different ways that they were touched by the film and different things they're doing in the community and, and taking actions like you are and, and others is, um, you know, it's beyond gratifying. And it's, you know, it has little to do with me and and a whole lot to do with, with people who, who I got a chance to capture and, uh, uh, you know, and, and what they were doing because, um you know, we're going to look back on those individuals and and more, and not just the individuals in that film, but people who were doing this work um, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, and, and they started, you know, an entirely new recovery of evolution, an entirely new way to to view uh, people's identity, and, it, and it's deep, you know, it's not just about advocacy, but it's how do I perceive my identity as a person in recovery in this world? And, and where do I fit in? Where does that life experience, uh, where am I allowed to talk about it and where am I not? And I think, um, you know, the core uh, controversy embedded in the film and, and in the discussion is a lot of people um, who identify as being in recovery are in conflict about that. Yeah. And they don't, they, they don't know their own truth about where they can, disclose that and where they can't and, and just uh real i mean for me personally i mean i i got my first job out of college i went to college sober i was in recovery nobody outside of uh, a church basement knew uh, my status and my mm-hmm. family you know and so my co-workers didn't and my college friends didn't and that was what I thought was the right thing to do and and i'm six seven years sober and, and i realized i have I start reading some of Bill White's stuff and I start reading and listening to some of these. I start to realize that I have, I have a whole lot of internalized personal shame mm-hmm. associated with the idea that I have to keep one big, very important part of my life quiet. Um, and just because society is ashamed of me. And, and it, so it wasn't necessarily that I was ashamed of my recovery, but because society is ashamed yeah. of addiction I felt I needed to be quiet, and I was misinformed about reasons why I needed to be quiet about it, and, and ultimately leads to a lot of personal shame for myself uh, because of the way society perceives me. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of layers to it. It's not, you know, it's not just, uh, uh, you know, some people say, you know, telling our stories about ego inflation and all of that, but um, most people that I come across uh it comes down to, um, you know, motivation for telling our story and also, um, 
realizing that we're parts of the, you know, we're willing and elements uh, in the community. So, And for those that um, want to speak out or like are on the verge, like I want to share my story and what kind of difference would that make? And we've been really promoting that message, you know, not only since like we got started, but especially on the show, like if people can uh, speak out and, you know, no longer remain silent kind of conversation uh, more than ever before, it's, it's important to keep that momentum going for a lot of different reasons and especially on a localized level. So that could be like very simply done. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, a meeting, a support group, maybe in a general uh, conversation with somebody in the community, at your church community, whatever the case may be. But I mean, how much do you really see uh, the, that social stigma or social si- silence that we still have today? Um, I, I just keep on seeing it as like one of the biggest deterrents that we have to actually making um, a significant amount of change um, in our communities. People are still really uncomfortable that not only just talk about recovery, but to talk about somebody's addiction. Um, even reaching out for help around that addiction is one of the biggest moments that somebody can take forward in their life. Uh, but even the families are ashamed to help a loved one because they're struggling with addiction. Um, are you still are you seeing that on your end, on a, or even on a national level, as a big concern today? Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 the issue um, because. You know, of course, with the headlines around the opiate epidemic and the overdose rates and the life expectancy in America going down for the first time in decades because of of, of the overdose rates, um, you know, there's just this generalized perception that people don't get better and 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 that addiction isn't treatable and it's not preventable and and you can't recover from it. And there's just this very um, ingrained uh, notion that, that, you know, once people uh, uh, chose to become addicted, that's it. They're hopeless cases. And and so I think that um, the more people that are willing to show what recovery looks like, the more people that are willing to dispel that that lie um, and come forward that you know, recovery is possible. Things can happen. Um, there's some system reasons why, you know, recovery is hard to get for a lot of people, mm-hmm. whether that be uh, criminal justice uh, issues, housing issues, employment issues. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but when you when you really unpack it at its core, uh, you, you know, uh, the more people that tell their stories of recovery the more people that are willing to to talk about it. I mean, Bill White has this really poignant line in one of these short films that I did uh, on the Many Faces, One Voice website, which, you know, he he said, you know, uh, embedded stereotypes of addiction do not change, you know, based on data, based on... um, you know, the facts of the, the statistic, illness, the, right? all of yeah. those elements, right, are, aren't going to move somebody in prejudice against addiction. But when that person knows somebody mm-hmm. um, close to them, you know, who has that experience, that's when the embedded prejudice melts Absolutely. away. And that's when the stereotypes deteriorate. Absolutely. And that's when the advocacy movement can really begin. And so we need to get because it's one in three families, because it's one in seven Americans, because it's, it's, it's everyone knows somebody, 
but not everybody acknowledges that they know somebody. And sometimes those people who are in recovery don't acknowledge that they're in recovery. So Uncle Bob at Christmas dinner stopped drinking 20 years ago, uh, but doesn't talk about his recovery or doesn't, um, you know, nobody acknowledges that, that, you know, they have a family member in, in, you know, who struggled with addiction or is in recovery. And, um, and that remains hidden and, and, you know, from the grandkids and, and the children. And, you know, so all of that kind of stuff, those are like the embedded family system stuff where, where we've seen in lots of other movements. I mean, LGBT movement, the HIV stuff, the breast cancer in the 60s. I mean, so this isn't necessarily new stuff. It's just uh, a very insidious uh, illness. Absolutely. And we have like a, almost like a social stomach or a cultural change that needs to happen. Right. So not just um, from like a systematic standpoint, like a healthcare system needs uh, to be addressed. And it is to some degree. Um, but there's a variety of cultural changes that need to happen throughout our community. There's a church community, a school community, a home, a family environment. Um, you know, the general community, the corporate community. I mean, there's there's a lot of different sectors, you know, throughout the community that um, could be um, a little bit more supportive or at least open um, to those that struggle with um, addiction, right? And looking at it um, from like a public health lens um, can sound really good, but it, it goes much deeper than that. And I think, you know, when we really talk about it here at home and amongst the team, we really have... Um, kind of a complicated uh, complicated situation where what we're finding from a gap standpoint um, whether we're talking teens or young young people or you know older generations there's a lack of compassion and like uh, empathy you know for those that are struggling with addiction to some degree um, and maybe that's because of misunderstanding uh, lack of education uh, those could be part of the conversation um, but it makes it difficult when you have someone that struggles with addiction and they might go out um, granted you can say um, well that person made those decisions because they're struggling with the disease of addiction they needed that substance to survive at least that's what their body and their brain chemistry was telling them um, but that other person that is impacted by those choices, those decisions, that heartache, that, that family stress, whatever the case may be, it sometimes becomes very hard to remain resilient um, for individuals. And you do at some points want to be like, hey, just get your stuff together. Why don't you just stop? You know, and that's, I think, in part why I'm so passionate with like prevention and, and really, you know, creating a situation where education and awareness can really survive even at a much younger age. Um, because let's be honest, it isn't easy um, treating addiction. You know, probably just as similar as it isn't easy as treating cancer or diabetes for that matter. Um, but I think we have a long way to go uh, before America has a heart for those that struggle with addiction to some extent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we do have a long way to go in, in some respects, but in, in other respects, I think we've come a long way. I mean, I think when you look at this past presidential election and, and especially the, uh, the primaries, um, in New Hampshire, in Ohio, and in Iowa, it's like it was incredible. It was like eighteen presidential candidates, and all were trying to get closer to a family member who had been afflicted. You know, and mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's it's astonishing to 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 think about that. You know, in the context of what you know where we were at in the nineteen eighties, um, in terms of people, you know knowing drug and alcohol problems were a big issue and 
trying to figure out ways to to be tougher on crime, to lock more people up, and we know how badly that uh, whole mentality failed. But but we still have a lot of movement to go. But when you know you have uh, candidates on both sides for for the highest office in the land talking about this openly, and and now uh, you know our president elect uh, who lost his own brother mm-hmm. to. Um, to addiction, uh, you know, to alcoholism. And and so I, I think that, you know, uh, I think there's a long way to go, but at the same time we're starting to see even young pop stars, um, you know, the Demi Lovatos and the Macklemars of the world, and certainly just uh, in the news lately with Carrie Fisher and her advocacy that was before her time. But it's... Um, it's 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 I, I remain hopeful. I never before. I mean, and, and more hopeful maybe on the uh, you know the pop stars and the celebrities angle a little bit because never before was it was it attractive uh, to uh, an artist's brand to be in recovery, mm-hmm. you know, and to put it out there on social media and to be open about it. And now it's start, you know, even just, you saw this stuff with Selena Gomez and, you know, there's just this young current of, of superstar pop culture icons who are talking about emotional health and well-being and mental health and addiction. And, and they're, they're saying enough, you know, enough with the silence. And not only that, but they're actually making it part of their brand and their following. And, and so I think that, that, that there's a younger generation that's growing up in this country who are, are uh, obviously growing up with great tragedy with the number of kids in their high schools or colleges who are getting buried from overdoses. Um, or growing up without parents uh, mm-hmm. from the overdose crisis. At the same time as this cultural shift that's happening uh, in our media around stories of recovery and, uh, you know, the empowerment, it's not weak to, to talk about your feelings. It's not weak to t- talk about your uh, struggles with these issues. And so, so I do feel like there's... Um, there's a lot of hope. Great momentum. Uh, have a lot right? of hope. We're at a different point. You know, I think from a recovery movement standpoint, I do believe we're like at one of the highest points of advocacy that we've probably ever seen in history. You know what I mean? And of course, you know, to my comments before, it's just really continuing that momentum, you know, and to see some things that go in the mainstream, to see it from a political level, from a presidential level, even from a localized level, um, even from a youth uh, or teen level. Um, People are being more open and public, not only about uh, supporting those that struggle with addiction, but actually being in recovery. Recovery is kind of like the cool new thing in some senses, you know, and, and people are putting it out there like that. I want to be healthy. I want to, you know, I want to live long. I want to aspire towards my dreams, goals, and aspirations kind of conversation. And it is awesome to see the next generation coming up being a huge part of that. And I think that's going to continue to grow. You know, and I think it's just going to take some time to influence the masses. And now more than ever, like we've stated in previous episodes and like you guys are doing so well, is, well, let's keep that movement going. Let's keep continuing to break down some of those social barriers so we can, you know, continue to save lives, you know, because addiction is treatable. It is preventable. And let's put the work forward and do what we need to do to take care of our neighbors kind of conversation. Wouldn't you agree? No, absolutely. It is totally going to take a lot of time. Um, but, it, yeah, it does require leadership, and it requires um, direction and specific, tangible 
things, and I'm glad that you had, uh, you know, Michael King on to talk a little bit about, um, you know, how do we do it? Because for a lot of people, you know, whether the anonymous people or the idea of a movement is is somewhat amorphous. Um, what you know, what does my story mean in the grand scheme of things? How does that change? And um, and then you had Mario on around the uh, the generation found and and the song that Matt Butler uh, just wrote called Just One and and it really is that simple in terms of uh, the ripple effect if 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 um, you're sitting on a bus or you're sitting on an airplane or a train and for the first time in your life somebody asks you where you're coming from or where you're going uh, and it's from some kind of recovery convention or some kind of recovery event, uh, and you tell the truth. In that moment, everything's different. There's somebody next to you who who had you'll never see again, you've never seen before, and all of a sudden, their entire worldview has the potential to shift in everything that they do moving forward in in, in perception of addiction. Because um, invariably, they'll say oh, my brother, my sister, me, that kind of response. And that's, you know, it's, it's that uh, change in behavior that overcomes the fear, where today I no longer have any fear sitting in front of an elected official or a law enforcement professional or a colleague or, you know, an employee and telling them I'm a person in recovery. Uh, because I've had so many experiences, so many positive experiences, uh, both professionally and just in the community, of the kinds of responses that you get from that. Very rarely do you get, you know, uh, and never have I gotten, other than, you know, in some newspapers and things like that, some really shaming, discriminatory mm-hmm. responses, especially when people embody the language. I think the language piece is really, really uh, game-changing for a lot of people when, when they don't have to say, you know, I'm Greg W., I'm a drug addict, yeah. you know, and, and, and they no longer have to go on a job interview or, you know, sit on a bus and, and tell somebody that, um, you know, it changes everything when, when you're able to articulate uh, uh, as, a, as, a, as a human being, first and foremost, but then in, in, the, in the positive uh, nature of what, what recovery gives back, uh, that addiction took. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Nadine, I know you're pretty pumped up about just the conversation that's been going on this entire time. I just don't know if you wanted to add something in because I think there's like a momentum in the room between between the three of us, which is really great. You know, it just we really are passionate and care about this topic probably more than ever in our life. Right. Um, Absolutely. So. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's beautiful. Just it's a it's a blessing to be in recovery. You know, I, too, am a person in long term recovery. And I was I was able to find recovery before I could even legally step in foot in a bar, you know, so along with you, Greg, you know, it's been, it's been a, truly a blessing. There's really no other way to explain it, but to really watch the recovery movement today and how things have, I believe, have drastically changed, even in the last three years that I have been in recovery and, you know, just coming out and speaking out about my own recovery and encouraging others to do so and, and really seeing, um, you know, celebrities and everybody else speak about it. I've, watched this change and shift happen as well as we speak in the schools to really see kids stand up and do it too you know to really speak up and be like no i'm not going to get high or i don't have to drink to have a good time and to be able to see that 
you know, and, and so many other people in the United States and all around the world say that, you know, it's cool to be sober. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's really, really amazing to see. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of drug war ways to, to reduce the supply of drugs and alcohol <laughs> and, and, uh, Shifting culture, while it's not easy, is the ultimate demand reduction strategy, right? Exactly. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, if we can reduce demand here for, for these substances. Right. Uh, the supply may never end, but, you know, right. if we can reduce the demand, I think that's where yep. things are going to start to change. Amen to that. Amen to that. So the wall might not work. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, depends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I think... Um, I think it's awesome, you know, have all of us here. It's cool that, that we actually get a, get a chance to be a part of this. I know when me and Michael were talking, uh, it was really uh, not really about us. It's just, you know, when you do receive that message um, that maybe uh, your efforts or yeah. a message that they heard or even a post that they saw or the movie that you helped put out or, or the encouragement that you gave somebody online, it gave them encouragement to the, the seek help or to um, ask for help for a loved one or to just reach out and, and find gratitude and joy in their heart uh, that they're a part of their community community and they're serving, you know, the people from their school or, or for, for wherever, you know, they are from. When you get those messages, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's all about. You right. know what I mean? And I know you've received those, Greg. And I think in part, like, even though we're getting towards the end of the interview, like people are also reaching out and they really want to get involved, you know, whether it's sharing their story or, you know, doing something on a localized level or influencing their policymakers or, you know, continual, continuing to put efforts behind special events or uh, local rallies or whatever the case may be. And I know you guys are deeply involved in Navisky, especially on the facing addiction standpoint. And I, we haven't even got a chance to really talk about facing addiction, but I would love for you just to give like a little brief background of it just real quick. And if there's anything like really big that's coming up in 2017 or really small, it doesn't really matter. Like how can people get involved? Yeah, no, it's, and we created face addiction exactly to, to meet that need is after releasing the anonymous people, it was clear people raised their hand and wanted to get involved in, in, um, some people want to get involved in prevention. Some people want to get involved in criminal justice. Some people want to get involved in recovery, family advocacy, research, all different things. And, and we have a, a bunch of different small nonprofits out there that are doing different things in different areas. And, and so facing addiction, you know, what can we do collectively that we all agree on? And, and uh, the first thing we were able to pull together was, was the rally on the National Mall um, on October 4th, 2015. And then uh, moving forward, you know, uh, this year we've been able to collaborate with some amazing partners to, um, you know, produce events at the DNC and the RNC on this issue. And uh, we just partnered uh, with the Surgeon General uh, to release um, the groundbreaking report, Facing Addiction in America. And it was the first ever Surgeon General's report on alcohol, drugs, and health. And and I think that's going to be the biggest thing moving forward is that people can do is 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 educate their community members that there now is a Surgeon General's report on this issue, and it should give people a lot of validity to probably what they feel in their heart, you know. And it's not that a lot of that report will tell people in recovery something they didn't already know. But now that the Surgeon General of the United States has said what might be in your heart, now your local hospital 
now your local law enforcement, now your local mayor, now your your uh, governor, your state, the country has that bully pulpit of that you know America's top doctor saying we're you know mm-hmm. it's uh, we've got some science, there are things we can do. Here's a roadmap. Here's a playbook for prevention, treatment, recovery, um, the neurobiology of addiction, and health system integration. And, and so there's some really key elements. So the biggest thing that we're going to start to do is really work with uh, people in communities on hosting forums and community gatherings uh, to educate their, their community about the Surgeon General's report. I mean, obviously educate and organize around addiction in general, but, but really with the substance of the Surgeon General's report, we think can, can really uh, galvanize communities in ways that we've never seen before. And so we're really excited about that and bringing that to the local level um, and uh, the way, I mean, the best thing that people can do is go to facingaddiction.org, you know, sign up and, and then check out the advocacy agenda, check out the different things that are going on. Uh, we're we're going to be doing a big mapping thing uh, coming up where you can map your local community uh, digitally and, and start to link people to, to help in the community. So uh, lots of different ways to get involved. I always need to say this. Uh, I know a lot of people don't have a lot to give. But, but if we do want a movement, we do have to do what other social movements have done, and that means that we do have to start to think about um, giving towards uh, addiction-related causes. So if you send $50 to heart every year or you send $50 to diabetes, keep doing that. But if you can find it in your heart to, to send $50 towards an addiction uh, cause, I, I think that's a really important thing um, you know, just because uh, of the structure of the history of this movement, like we talked about, there really isn't a philanthropic base, um, but there's, you know, 45 million Americans directly impacted and their families. So you have 90 million Americans who should be in some way uh, thinking about addiction as a charity, as a cause that they can support philanthropically, just like we do um, other major causes. So, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And we would say the same efforts over here, you know, I mean, the, the continue the push forward to advocate to, you know, put these actionable items out, uh, they need to be supported, you know, by the community, even for us from a prevention standpoint. I mean, we're on average doing 65 to 75 uh, community events every year. And we've been doing that for the last three years, going into the fourth year. And, you know, now more than ever, we definitely, you know, need support. And I think that can come from the community. And it always has to some extent, but, you know, on an individual basis. Um, and that would be so awesome to see, you know, um, not just our organizations getting supported, but uh, the many uh, different organizations that are out there making a valiant effort and difference in people's lives. I, I think it's not only needed, but it would be um, just so uh, heartfelt. And that's where some of that um, compassion would come into play like you know what I, I care about that cause and I might not be personally struggling with addiction but I care enough because I know somebody or because I just want to get involved to some extent even if it's a dollar a month five dollars a hundred dollars whatever it is anything would help so that was super cool and uh, for us too I mean I'm looking I look at your guys's website all the time and not only is it super cool as far as content goes um, but even the 
education uh, that you guys have been able to put together and easy to understand like kind of uh, face to facts section that you have there um, pulling some of that information from the U.S. Surgeon General's report uh, since we do so many public based events to parents and other community members uh, we'll be using that U.S. Surgeon General's report and pulling some of that information there because people ask us all the time and you know people can do that um, on an individual basis even if you're not a part of an organization so I think you're right on point in regards to that and in regards to like any upcoming events or any uh, specific causes um, or efforts um, outside of promoting the U.S. Surgeon General's report you know how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, everybody can get into facingaddiction.org if you want to send us an email, info at facingaddiction.org, but facingaddiction.org, and depending on what your area of interest, we have a contact us tab, and uh, uh, most likely Michael King, but you know a lot of other people on the team who, who will get back to you in, in whatever area that, that can be helpful. And, and then we also have a um, an Action Network Partners tab, so take a look at who is in our Action Network and, and look for organizations in your local community that you might want to connect with as well. We have over 400 organizations now uh, in this action network. So, so I do encourage people to also take a look at that tab. So Facing Addiction is kind of a, an umbrella coalition group um, bringing together lots of localized um, supports around the country. So uh, we will uh, be mapping that and, and making it a lot more uh, reachable, but, but we, we will uh, love to get in touch with anybody who wants to, and then social media as well. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. And for outside of work, man, like, are you going to do anything else? You got anything cool coming up for 2017? <laughs> well, I am a father. Yes. Uh, one of the blessings of recovery. I'm a father of uh, two small children. <laughs> so uh, I, um, the free time to pursue uh, independent projects and passion projects has uh, dwindled a bit, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, parenting is, is a, a big part of my life, you know, the last couple of years. So um, continuing to outreach Generation Found, uh, that film is just going to be uh, getting out into communities uh, early this year, and then in the spring we'll get out on home video. And, and so we do have a year-long uh, distribution plan for Generation Found and, and getting that out there uh, for sure. And I hope more people can, can experience that film because it's a, it's a pretty – incredible next level uh construct for people who care about young people in recovery and uh families and and what you know if people are looking for specific things that they could do in their community that film is 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 full of uh really tangible incredible ideas that that take a lot of work but but they change communities i mean they absolutely change communities and and uh provide some concrete strategies that that uh, this one community in Houston was able to pull together. So, so that'll be a big part of uh, 2017 as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. And I know we're uh, definitely looking at bringing Generation Found back to Wisconsin. Um, we love the content that you guys put out on it. And it's really our main goal, too, is to you know, spread that message to the next generation. Um, along with your action network, it's really great. Uh, you know, that's what we need, bringing our communities together. Uh, to really support one another and to be able to work together. And it was amazing to have you on today, Greg. It was really great getting to know you and hear a little bit about your story and, and the amazing work that you guys are doing at Facing Addiction. We you know, couldn't be more uh, grateful and honored for the work that you do and to, do, to be a part of it. Yeah, well, thank you, Nadine. And, 
Anthony and you guys are uh, keep up the good work. I got to get out to Wisconsin very soon and and uh, uh, looking forward to staying connected. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Just let us know when you arrive in Wisco, and we'll definitely uh, take you out to eat or something. We got a couple cool spots we could check out, and it'd just be great to get to know you a little bit more. But yeah, just like Nadine said, thank you so much for everything that all of you guys are doing, being an inspiration on our part, and you know, being part of your action network, and, and just really continue to find motivation, you know, within the movement uh, from an in other leaders like yourself, and um, also as a speaker. You know, I know we both are on that speaking circuit too, and uh, that can be fun and exciting and it's cool to see other people step forward and and want to share that experience with us so all in part we're kind of uh, one big family across the united states and i'm looking forward to 2017 more than ever and for everybody else that's out there that's listening if you want to go ahead and check out facing addiction again it was mentioned earlier in the episode but it is facingaddiction.org and then you also can check out uh, generationfound.com generationfoundfilm.com sorry about that and then Anonymous People, which I'll have reference in the content notes for this podcast, but it is manyfacesonevoice.org. Again, that's manyfacesonevoice.org. And with that, Greg, is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here today? Oh, just everyone have a great 2017, and there's work to be done. So uh, <laughs> get out there and do it. All right. Thank you so much, man. You go take care of your kids. <laughs> All right. Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to this last podcast at Rising Grind Recovery Radio. Uh, Anthony has done a phenomenal job uh, heading up this podcast, and it was really awesome to be a part of this week's episode with Greg Williams from Facing Addiction. He did an absolute phenomenal job, you know, really talking about what's going on with Facing Addiction and, and the work that they've been able to be a part of this last year and what they're really looking forward to doing this next year. Um, there's some really great ways to get involved, and I hope some of you would take that action and, and really step up and, and speak out. You know, this is a new year. It could be a new you, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, what this year has to bring. Thank you so much, guys. Have an awesome 2017.